What are the implications for the world, for all of us, for human communications, if we essentially have ghostwriters speaking for us or writing for us? Where does humanity go in that? I, I'm wrestling with this question <laughs> as I'm dealing with all this. I'm writing a LinkedIn article. It's going to be like my second one I've ever written on this subject. Wait a second. Are you writing it? Really? Uh, no. 50% of it actually came from Ghostwriter. You caught me. Hi, and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We're coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in technology, science, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we talk about some of the most interesting stories in the news. Lately, it's been a lot about AI, and we're going to keep talking about AI. I'm fascinated by this. Our guest is Patrick Husting. He is a serial entrepreneur, software developer, and equestrian who gets to pursue a lot of his passions through software development and technology. Patrick, it's great to have you back on the show. I think it's been just about 10 years. It has been 10 years almost to this day. It's shocking. I can't even remember what we talked about the first time you were on. You were with a company called Extended Results at the time, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's correct. And it was such a meaningful interview. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was something very newsy and popular at the time. It was not something called Ghostwriter, which we're going to talk about today. This is an add-in that you did for Microsoft Office, integrating chat GPT into Microsoft Word. And I want to spend a lot of time talking to you about what you've done and what you've done, especially in the past few weeks since we first wrote the story about Ghostwriter. But first off, Patrick, how would you describe what you've seen and experienced and taken part in, in this realm of AI in the industry over the past few months? What's this been like? Have you seen anything like it before? You know, the word AI is used everywhere now. It's been used for everything. But it wasn't until maybe the last six months when OpenAI became more open and then they released this chat GPT. And once I started using it, I've used it for coding purposes in my horse app. And then I've also used it for research purposes. And once I started figuring out, hey, I'm having a dialogue with this thing, then it became just um, all consuming to me. It's definitely one of those fundamental shift times again. You know, there was the PC, there was the internet, and then there was the smartphone. And I, I truly believe we're moving towards that shift again. What is it about this particular moment and this technology? Because, you know, there have been chatbots before. What is it about this that is taking it to that next level for you and other people? You know, um, I have no idea how they wrote this software because if you think about chatbots in the past, they were just a lot of if statements in the background. If they said this, do this. If they did that, do that. And truly, this technology, we're having a conversation, but the conversation keeps building upon itself. So you'll ask your question, it comes back with an answer, and then you can fine-tune that answer with another question, and then it comes back with more detail. To me, personally, I think it's shocking that um, this technology exists, but after using it myself, I really kind of believe everybody needs to start using it. That is part of what you're doing with Ghostwriter. 
This is a plug-in, an add-in for Microsoft Word, and it's the first in what you hope will be a, a suite of add-ins. For folks who have not seen Ghostwriter yet or read our story about it on GeekWire, can you explain what it is? Sure, sure. So when I was first using the, the public uh, chat GPT and using it quite heavily in the browser, you're asking your questions, you're getting your answers. I would like that answer. I'd copy paste that into a Word document or if I'm working in uh, in IDE, I'm pasting in code. It's doable, but it's not necessarily a good workflow. You know, it doesn't have productivity built into it. So I thought, you know, this would be really great just to have it in Word because at that time I was doing a lot of research around some horse subjects. And I thought, well, I, I can make this happen. So I started playing around with the task pain framework within Office. And the first three weeks, it was just a big pain in the butt because it just wouldn't work. And then um, I gave up, you know, for a week over Christmas, you know, break. And then I came back to a full force. I found a better framework. And then all of a sudden, it just started working. And then when I got the open AI plugged into it, it just worked shockingly well. So here I am in my Word document. And then in the right side of my Word document, inside Word, I could ask a question and ChatGPT would give me that answer right in my document. And that's where I want it, save, move on to the next question. Very powerful, very interactive. It's part of my workflow. And so from there, I finished it up, kind of tried to commercialize it and then ran into you. And then it just went excitingly well, you know, from there. But really, Outlook is my bane of existence because, and I think it is for a lot of people, email's a pain in the butt. We live by it. We get lots of questions, answers. We're trying to email somebody to get their business. We're trying to reply to a customer service email. So it just makes sense to have it in there. So two weeks after I launched the Word version, I now have the Outlook version done. It has more features. It has kind of pre-canned templates. So let's say you're you're doing a cold sales call email. You could do that in there and it will create it for you based on the subject that you want to present. What's even better is you can pick a writing style or tone. So I could say, make this sound academic, make myself look smart, or make it sound enthusiastic, which is kind of a mode I'm typically in, or persuasive. And it does that. So you could use the same question or prompt that you have and change the writing style or tone and you get a slightly different response. And once you see that, game over. This is going to be part of your daily usage that you're going to use every day, whether you're working in Word or specifically drafting those hundreds of emails that we do a week. Patrick, especially when you're in Outlook, and I have not yet used the Outlook add-in, how close are you getting to your final draft with what you get back from chat GPT on a regular basis? You know, um, I love product development. And then part of that product development is you always have to create messages and you're trying to sell people on ideas and you're generating emails, or maybe you're generating a social post. You get writer's block. We all experience, you understand writer's block. So right in there, I can kind of type it in there. And really, I'm just using a set of keywords to be very descriptive of what I'm asking for. And I'm shocked at the response that comes back. I would say somewhere between 70% accurate up to 90. It's never 100%. But I bet you in six months, 
maybe a year, we'll be near 95% hit rate every time. What are the implications? And I realize you're a developer and an entrepreneur, not a philosopher, but what are the implications <laughs> for the world, for all of us, for human communications, if we essentially have ghostwriters speaking for us or writing for us, where does humanity go in that? I, I'm wrestling with this question as I'm dealing with all this. The amazing thing about it, let's think about it this way. I don't believe AI is going to replace our jobs, right? It's not going to replace my job as a developer. If I'm a salesperson, if I'm a professor, if I'm a lawyer, it's not going to replace my job. What it's going to do, it's going to augment me. Right. And so it's going to make me smarter. It's going to allow me to bring my facts in quicker. And it's going to allow me to get through my job much more efficiently, much more accurately, I believe. And so, again, I don't see it canceling a bunch of people's jobs. I don't believe that. I think don't be afraid of it and look to how it can help benefit your work or even your lifestyle. It's an amazing technology. Don't be afraid of it. Do you feel that you owe the recipients or the readers of the content that you're sending or publishing with the help of chat GPT or other AI assistants, a disclaimer or a disclosure about that fact? Yes, I, I believe you do. And in my article, I actually do that. What I did is I went to another company. I have a subscription there called Mid Journey AI. And you can go in there, you put in your descriptive words, and it creates artwork for you. It's amazing. And so I thought it'd be really great is uh, let's just take Elon Musk and then create a Borg out of him from Star Trek and use that as my cover image. And it created an <laughs> amazing image. It looks a little bit like Elon, but not much. But it's really showing the augmentation of the technology onto the head uh, of that person. And right below that, you know, <laughs> I definitely give credit to Midjourney AI because it did help me write it. At the bottom of the article, I haven't published it yet. I'm going to probably do it tomorrow. Is at the bottom of the article, I actually do say that Ghostwriter with OpenAI Technologies helped me write part of this article. Why wouldn't you do that? Everybody likes to claim that they're the smartest person in the room. But in, in my 30 plus years of software, I, I realized there's not a lot of smart people in the room. They got lucky. <laughs> so what about email, though? Do you feel like you need to disclose it there, like in a signature, under the signature of your email, that somebody helped you write this? That not somebody, but an AI helped you write this? This is a great question. Now, if you ask, I hope you ask the same question as somebody at Microsoft or Google or something like that, and you'll get some like political answer where they never answer it. <laughs> no, I don't think you need to credit it. If you were going to put a bunch of facts out there or something like that, sure, you could footnote it. But again, it's helping you augment something that you need to create. And again, if you're just taking what they create and hitting the send button, shame on you because you better read it as part of it. And throughout all my testing, especially one of my favorite uh, test questions that I ask the AI is, write me a brief history of the state of Washington. And it will produce four paragraphs of the, the state of Washington. It's beautifully written. You keep asking the send button, you know, do it again. It comes back different, shocking. So there's this one temperature control you can set on your response. And if you put it up to one, 
it gets a little more creative. And at the end of that statement, it actually said that Joe Biden was the governor of Washington State (laughs) very confidently. So again, if you're going to use this technology, please read it before you hit send. That's the disclaimer from me today. Confidently wrong. Patrick, I have some firsthand experience with this just recently related to a certain tech giant that you know a lot about. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to GeekWire, and we will be right back. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Since you first released Ghostwriter, the initial add-in for Microsoft Word a couple weeks ago, Microsoft has announced their new chat GPT-like integration into Microsoft Bing and a new version of the Edge browser. And Patrick, after I was at the Microsoft event, I asked you, I emailed you, and I said, did you just get Sherlocked? I love that term, because if you know what that term means, you've been around the software industry for a while. This was when Apple integrated into its OS the features of a search tool that a third-party developer had made, and so it became a verb. And they effectively put that company out of business, or at least that app out of business. Do you feel like Microsoft, in starting to integrate this chat, GPT, and AI functionality into the apps that you're also going to be offering add-ins for, (laughs) will elbow you out? I've received that question a lot over the past week, thanks to you. I bet, I bet. (laughs) You know, I I was a Microsoft employee during the Internet Explorer days, and I remember the battle with Netscape quite fondly. And I remember the embedding of the browser within the operating system and cheering that as an employee. And as the young man that I was at the time, I was very naive to the whole monopoly phrase. (laughs) I was going to say, Mark Andreessen was not cheering that. So go ahead. (laughs) No, he wasn't cheering that at, at all. And, you know, Microsoft's going to do what Microsoft's going to do. Google's going to do what they're going to do and whatever Amazon and Facebook and the other ones are going to do. Picking on a little developer is just a mean thing, in my opinion. You know, the neat thing about this that I had one of my friends from Spain reach out to me and says, wow, Patrick, that is amazing. He says, you beat the market, 300 developers, 500 managers, two testers, 30 diversity, equity, and inclusion officers at Microsoft, and you did it yourself and got it to market. I think that was <laughs> quite humorous at the end of the day. Um, you know, when Microsoft, whatever they do with Office, I think I said it in, when we talked last time, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be fantastic, and it's, it's going to work well. It's going to be limited, in my opinion, right? We've seen it with the one gentleman who's already hacked Bing, and saw some of the filtering stuff that they're doing in the background. And gosh darn it, I'm all about privacy. You buy my app, I'm a one and done. You know, you pay one and done, you're done. And the conversation is between you and OpenAI. It's not going through my servers. 
I'm not storing your data. I'm not going to mine it and sell you other stuff. That's what Microsoft's going to do. I'd like you to ask them that when you next time you meet them. I'd like you to ask Google that. Now, Microsoft would deny it more aggressively than Google would. Let's say that. <laughs> and, and they would say that Google would certainly do that. Yeah, and definitely. You know, anything that goes through your servers like that, especially from a search perspective, how are you going to make money on it? Well, you got to mine that data and you're going to resell that data somehow. So um, I'm not doing any of that. And I'm quite clear in my materials that it's a private conversation between you and the AI. And the only difference that'll be in my add-in for Word, Outlook, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote will be not just one AI. So when Google Bard releases, it's gonna be in there. And then if Amazon ever releases something, I'll put that in there too. And then there's, a, there's another one that I'm looking at about adding them. So you can pick your AI you know, within the add-in and get your answer. Or, hey, if you want to compare Google to uh, Microsoft's AI responses, you'll be able to do that. I don't think they will let you do that, will they? Very interesting. You could almost be like a real-time marketplace for AI responses in some ways. Yeah, you know, this is a productivity tool. Let's put the power of this technology in the hands of the people and not within four big companies. So you've done Word and Outlook so far. You just mentioned Excel. How in the heck are you going to use ChatGPT in Excel? Is it going to suggest formulas? Is that the deal? Well, the formulas is pretty cool, actually. So I got that working last night. Whoa. And it's um, the amazing thing is, is I, don't, I don't think I'm a great developer, but with this, apparently I've done a good job because I'm able to reuse the code fairly quickly. But the neat thing about it is when you're working in Excel, sometimes you need sample data, right? So I can say, give me 10 rows of sample data that, you know, that the last 10 years of GDP data by, by state. And I have it coming back. And now I'm just working through the process of sticking it in the cells. Is that data that you're getting back accurate? Yeah. Whoa. That's way more interesting than formulas because you can Google a formula. Well, you can Google a formula. And then after you get through the first 10 ads, then you get down a little <laughs> further to something else that you got to click through about 20 times. What I've learned about AI, you know, and I've literally received probably a thousand emails now since, you know, you and I talked two weeks ago and the questions are amazing. And what I've learned doing my own product support is when you ask the AI, I'm not going to say open AI or Google, blah. I'm just going to say the AI. When you ask the AI a question, if you ask a fact, you get fantastic answers and you get some pretty good depth and detail in that. If you ask something that's more theory or kind of out there, you'll get some random stuff in there. It might seem real with the response, but you might want to fact check it a little bit. Well, my experience has been a little bit different in that even if I've asked at times the Microsoft Edge plugin to give me a specific fact. And I had a story on GeekWire last week that just took off like wildfire because I basically got into an <laughs> argument with Bing or Edge. That was the best thing ever. <laughs> yes. It felt, it was very cathartic, very cathartic. I felt great after this. It was like a therapy session because I was just basically railing against the AI for giving me an incorrect <laughs> fact, a clearly incorrect and contradictory fact that it had refuted itself earlier in the thread. And 
So I don't know, Patrick, I'm a little more skeptical, even on a fact-based query about the ability for the current <laughs> technology to give you accurate information. Well, you know, that's kind of the world we live in, right? What's a fact anymore? You know, everything's kind of <laughs> a feeling. No, I agree with you. I've read, I read your entire, you know, article there and <laughs> your conversation <laughs> back and forth. And I had to read it again and again. I go, this is probably the best thing I've read in months. This was, that was the best <laughs> article ever. You know, within the, within the AI, there's the ability to turn dials and those dials affect those answers quite a bit. I don't have the magic formula for that. I do know this is as part of having access to the OpenAI API, I'm running against their GPT Model 3. Now, the one that they run chat GPT at, I believe is 3.5, which really isn't publicly available. It's a beta thingy. Or wait a minute. If you pay $10 billion, you can get access to it. I forgot that. That's right. Honey, do we have $10 billion extra? Anyway. <laughs> Not only $10 billion, but you also have to provide them with supercomputing power, the, the likes of which has never been seen before. Then you can get it. Then it's know, it's just, available. <laughs> it's crazy. And then, but, you know, I did start seeing a few rumors this morning that maybe in about a month or so, we'll get access to GPT-4 through the API. So that would be super fantastic, right? I, I would love a better, faster machine to get answers from. It is a fascinating experience, right? It's, it's not your typical search. You put in your prompt and you might wait 30 seconds or a minute to get a response, you know, as it's formulating whatever it's formulating. I don't know, it's enjoyable. I, you know, people should play with it. It's a great experience. Patrick, you've mentioned one company's name a couple times now that doesn't always get mentioned in this conversation right now, and that's Amazon. I want to talk about them coming up after this break. You're listening to GeekWire, and we'll be right back. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop. I'm talking with Patrick Husting, entrepreneur and software developer, the person behind the plugins for Microsoft Office called Ghostwriter. You can check out Ghostwriter. We'll put a link in the show notes to find out more information and download it. Patrick, as you've said, it's a one-time purchase, Yep, not a subscription. Correct. It's a one-time purchase. I'm, I'm so done of the $5 a month thing. Just you know, pay it. You're done. I'm supporting it. It's, it's great. I've had some companies reach out, so I'm actually in negotiation with enterprise licenses. <laughs> Whoa. And this, this one gentleman was so nice. He's going, well, he goes, this is how Microsoft holds our feet to the fire. And he says, we, we typically pay this X in maintenance. 
you know, every year he goes, so I'm just going to add that on there too. I said, that sounds great to me. <laughs> yes. Usually the recipients of the subscription fee feel differently than you do. <laughs> so that's good to hear. <laughs> so Patrick, you did mention Amazon a couple times and it's been fascinating to me just how much they are not in this conversation. I realize they're much more an infrastructure company when it comes to AI and the cloud, not a consumer facing company. But to me right now, the thing that's missing in this whole equation is voice, which is where Amazon in a consumer realm actually has an interesting offering in Alexa. And I would love to hear Alexa respond with actual information in many of these cases, like you would get from ChatGPT, rather than here is something I found on the web, which you often hear from Alexa. I know that yeah. you don't have inside information here, but what are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to see something from Amazon in this realm? You know, they've got to. I wish I had inside information there. But I agree with you. Alexa is an amazing technology. But when it comes back and says, here's what I found on the web, you know, when they're reading Wikipedia, you know, that's quite lame. You know, you can kind of do that. But, you know, you think with all that processing power, you think about all that human gray matter that they have there in all their buildings, they should be able to have something very compelling. And they are a very private company. They kind of usually come out at the last second and say, voila, here you go. So I can imagine that, you know, they've got something building and they're just planning how they're going to do their announcement. You know, the other one that's a sleeper is Facebook, right? I don't know if it's their CTO or C, I don't know, their chief AI dude. I don't know if you saw that message, but he, he looked at uh, OpenAI and poo-pooed it. Oh, that's no big thing. And I'm just like, seriously, that was some post on LinkedIn. I couldn't believe it. But you think about the amount of data that they have on human beings, right? Just not using Facebook, you know, but they've been aggregating data from all kinds of sources, legal and maybe not legal. And uh, could you imagine what they're building in the background? So again, you know, today we say, you know, well, Microsoft's really not in it, right? It's OpenAI is the one who's built it. You know, Microsoft's providing some horsepower there. And then you got Google, you know, Bard, that's a strange name. And their failed response to one of their questions that they had in there. there. But it's going to be fun to watch these giant elephants or maybe war horses come together and battle this out here over the course of the next year. Who's going to win? We're going to win. Right. We're going to get all this great technology. This AI stuff is going to double, triple every six months. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I want people to benefit from this. And I'm a little worried that these big tech companies are the ones that are going to control it all. And we know Google's going to try to figure out how to sell ads on it. And then we don't know what Microsoft's going to do, but we know they're filtering it. There's so many legal things they're going to have to do because of that data. So they're going to have to filter it or protect it or reduce it somehow to not give you full access. And I think that's limiting our human potential with this technology as we augment ourselves like Borgs. So you are simultaneously somewhat cautious about the role of big tech companies in all of this, but it sounds like still ultimately excited about the potential of the technology that they're fueling effectively. They got the processing power, right? They got the, the horsepower, they got the storage, they got the CPUs, the GPUs, they got all the people building and running that stuff. We need that to be able to take advantage of this. 
And again, I think this, this is it. You know, we want something big. You know, this is going to be the next big tech shift. And I'm excited to be on that wave. Well, Patrick Houston, thank you very much for talking with me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to GeekWire. Kurt Milton edited this week's show. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll talk to you next time on GeekWire.